1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KCS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Unfortunately, today we're not in the studio, but that doesn't mean anything. We're all around, and we're all around the world trying to help people, help them in business. That's what Ask Brian Radio is all about. And every week, everybody asks us, why do you spell Brian with an E, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? And nobody understands why you're spelled with a with an e i mean there are some people from ireland and they go oh brian's pub let's go there and that's the brian and there is a brian b-r-i-a-n but most people spell their name b-r-i-a-n or b-r-y-a-n so we always ask up esteemed esteemed that's with an e engineer with an e mr patrick why or why do we spell s
0: brian with an e well, I'll tell you why. There's a number of words that are almost thematic with The S. Brian Show. One of which, well, you, did, you added a new one that was esteemed, uh, and that's a good one. Don't let it get to your head, though. Uh, y- yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was pretty impressive. I, w- I will say, that was pretty impressive, esteemed. I agree with that, actually. That's us not build up the ego. Go ahead. <laughs> well, me, me and Tracy were being empathetic right there. That's one. We also have... Let's see, we had Empathy, uh, we had Engineer, because you can't run the show without the Engineers, it's me and Emily. Well, Emily has an E already, so we already got halfway there. Yeah, and Emily is also one of the other E's now, because Emily is here too. Excellence, because we exude nothing but excellence on the Ask Brian Show. There is Thanks, Experts, because everybody that is brought on to the Ask Brian Show is an expert in their field. And, what are you an expert in? Uh, I'm an expert in Engineering. Even though you don't have he's the, 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 uh, the
2: 10,000 hours. He's the boss okay. now. He's, he's the boss now. Of course
1: he's an expert. The boss. <laughs> yes, but remember, The buck stops here.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> then there's, let's see, we had excellence. Then we have your two personal favorites. They're kind of synonymous with each other. There's excitement and enthusiasm. Woo! There we go.
1: We got enthusiasm. There we go. Yeah. But you're missing the biggest one about why we created the S. Brian Show. And by the way, it's now five years old. No, oh, now five years old, over five years. Ha-
2: Happy birthday, now.
1: Happy birthday! Ask Happy Brian birthday! Joe. The <laughs> biggest one, the biggest reason, the reason why the show is all around education with an E. That's a new one. Because we try to educate people. We want to help people out. That's our goal. We help them through three different ways. We have startups that can tell us their story, how they made it. Maybe you can follow their advice and create your own. Two, you might be we might have an expert in a specific area like podcasting, like Tracy, or we might have another expert for YouTube or for any other program that we're actually trying to teach people how they can use and expand their growth and their business. But we're trying to help people expand and grow their business, and we've found that my example is having startups and CEOs of startups and business development people can help us, and that's what we try to do each and every week, and we also try to make fun of Patrick, but that's a <laughs> story. So, without any further ado, I just all do. A-D-I-E-U. And so why is that my favorite word?
0: Because every single letter except for the D is a vowel. And I feel like I'm on Sesame
1: Street. This is true. By the way, where's Big Bird? He's on Sesame Street. <laughs> Well, we I like
0: Cookie for Monster. <laughs> <laughs>
1: cookie
0: Monster is my favorite, just saying. Snuffleup, I guess, is mine. <laughs> oh, of
2: course, because you sound just like him whenever you sell A-C-I-E-U. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and I'm going to Nostradamus, but that's okay. <laughs> different, different places, uh, different times as well. Okay, well, we have a really great show. Patrick, we really appreciate you coming on board to help us out with that little stuff. I know you got a lot of work to do. Of course. So without any further ado, you can... Go do your thing, and we're back. Yes, sir. With Jake! Jake, you there?
2: Hi, I'm in the house. I am happy to be here. Happy to Year, you, everybody.
1: I was actually saying Jake, but that's okay, Tracy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you said Tracy. Who could tell? Well, anyway, I- yay, yay, yay. I'm not to be here. <laughs> well, I
1: am very glad to have our Tracy, my co-host. She's been here for about a year and a half already. Time really, really flies, but we do have a guest, Jake, and Jake, we have a couple questions for you. The first question we have is what is the name of your company?
3: The name of the company is Sober Sidekick. Sober
1: Sidekick, okay. Well, that's a very interesting concept. First, we're going to go over a little bit about the company, and we want to go back and how it was created and how you got to where you are. So, what is Silver
3: Sidekick. Silver Sidekick is a platform where people struggling with substance abuse and alcohol issues can interact with each other. So it's a platform that is, we call it our give-to-receive algorithm that is kind of the secret sauce of everything that we do, where it promotes user-to-user connection, right? Because the one thing that we know about substance abuse and alcoholism is that it thrives in isolation. So the best way to counteract that is to promote connection between people. So by give to receive, I mean if you want to post on the platform, you must first interact with somebody else's post in order to get your post out there. So it promotes connection between people struggling with the same things. Is this for just alcohol and drug, or is this any addiction? So, primarily what are, we see within our users is, is struggling with substance abuse and alcohol, but ironically, most of the content generated by our users focuses on just real life, you know, adapting to real life and dealing with the issues that they share. So, struggling with substance abuse by how to cultivate a new life post uh, getting sober.
1: Now, um, are you connected with groups like AA and, and other groups of that nature or, or not?
3: So, no, we aren't, we aren't connected with groups like AA. A lot of our users do tend to gravitate towards different 12-step programs, but we don't have any affiliation with any of those 12-step programs.
1: And you have a website, an app, or, 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 or where are you?
3: Yeah, so you can find us on com, and that will drive you to the App Store, whether it be Google Play or iOS, and just going on any App Store or Google Play and searching Sober Sidekick, you'd be able to download the app, and it's free for all users. So
1: do you have to have a problem? Do you have to have an alcohol problem or a drug problem in order to become a member, or can anyone become a member?
3: Anybody can become a member. I mean, we do prompt people when they download the app to you know, suggest tracking their sobriety through a sober counselor. Somebody who doesn't have any experience struggling with alcoholism or drug addiction may not find a ton of use out of it, but I do think that peer-to-peer support can be beneficial for anybody in in just talking to people and, and talking about life.
1: And, well, first of all, if the app is free... Are you working for free or do you have a salary? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know that might be pretty personal, but I mean, I, I think some people have to pay their bills.
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, everybody has to make a living and, you know, I think one thing that sobriety is built off of, you know, self, you know, just to disclose, I, I myself am sober 10 years and so this is something that's near and dear to my heart and, and a lot of Sobriety is really built off of altruism, so having a platform where everybody can have free access to connection and fellowship is something that's very important to us as a company. Now, on the flip side of things, yes, we do have to generate some sort of revenue to be able to provide the platform, and we do so by partnering with facilities, therapeutic environments that can have... The ability to help the users that are on our platform that are seeking a therapeutic release, you know, a way to get help in those beginning phases of their journey in getting sober. So we work with facilities who do pay to be have access to the platform and be able to connect with users and find the help needed for them.
1: So are are, the companies that are investing and putting sponsorships on your app? are they getting ads or other informal information being sent out to public or, 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 or just a name, or how, what do they get out of it?
3: So what the treatment centers will do and the facilities that provide this therapy, they work with clients, whether it be through Silver Sidekick or any other type of various marketing avenues that they attain clients from, whether it be just calling in from Google or anything like that. They utilize health insurance and bill health insurance to help pay for the treatment. So health insurance covers the treatment with the program, and that enables these companies to have marketing budgets. So then they pay other marketing avenues to promote their business and speak with struggling alcoholics and addicts to go to treatment. So that's how do you they have- generate their revenue to be able to pay for the marketing access.
1: Right, but but my question was more geared towards does your app have advertising on it from those companies?
3: So what we've done is what we've created what we call smart ads. So the ads are shown to individuals who identify as having less than 30 days sober and are actively struggling. So what we did was we created an integrative ad that actually asks questions in live time to the user who is speaking to us. So there are the treatment center. So they are saying, what's going on? You know, why are you seeking help? Are you open to treatment or some sort of therapeutic environment? And how long have you been sober for? And do you have health insurance coverage and things like that? And then that is then they are then connected to the treatment center who will then continue the conversation with them.
1: Now, is that voluntary by the person? Member of the uh, of your of, of your sidekick to actually give that information, or or do they uh, are they required to give that information? That information is transmitted without their knowledge.
3: No, no, it's it's known that they're being connected to a facility. We make it known to them, and it isn't involuntary. If they don't want to fill that out, if they don't feel comfortable, fill, they don't have to, and they can still request contact. So they can say, I don't want to answer that, I don't want to answer that, and still be connected and still talk to somebody.
1: Can people do this anonymously?
3: Yes, the whole app is anonymous. So if my name is Jake and I want to put at Jake as my username, I can. But if I want to put at footballfan123, I can do that, and that's how I identify on the app. And nobody ever has to know my name.
1: And when you're communicating, when people are communicating with each other, it's just like like Facebook Messenger concept or, or WhatsApp, they're just communicating via that. How, how, do they, how do they connect with people?
3: So the layout will look similar to a Facebook or Instagram feed where they can post pictures and post statuses and just communicate there. And then the interaction primarily happens in comments or personal messages where they'll connect with people and talk about sobriety. And we offer access to 24-hour meetings, 12-step meetings, anything like that. So if somebody does want to get on the platform and go to a, a Zoom meeting of some sort or a video meeting, they can. So they can connect there as well. And
1: when did the company
3: start? The company started back in 2018 uh, was when the first MVP was launched by my partner, uh, Chris Thompson. He's the developer on the project.
1: And how many people, or how many members are there?
3: Uh, we've grown to 80,000 downloads over the last, we went from 10,000 to 80,000 downloads over the last year.
1: That's a phenomenal growth. How, how did you expand that growth I mean with marketing on, um, on Google? I, I mean, uh, was it just the, taking the, the money from the partners, from you know, the clinics, and just using that money to market and advertise? How, how, what was your primary method to grow at such a high rate?
3: So that was a lot of our strategy. So, so the first 10,000 users that downloaded the app, we wanted to focus on user experience. We wanted to make sure that there was a solid foundation in the platform. So that was organic. It was a, 100% organic, just making sure that the user interface and everything flowed right and everybody felt like they were getting something out of the app. And then as we scaled and started the revenue model, we began to inject some of that Most of that, actually, is many of the founders you talk to, they inject most of the money back into the business that they earn early on, and we put that into different avenues of marketing, whether that be um, ASO, Google, and just App Store optimization that we would funnel that money into to make sure that our app was out in front of people.
1: Well, even to get $10,000 organically, uh, especially if you don't have a lot of money, So, uh, before we go there, let's take one step back. So, um, before the company started, I want to know what, give a little background about yourself. So before 2018, didn't you, were you involved in any other businesses?
3: Yeah. So I have personally from the age of 19. So that's when I got sober at the age of 19 and I have only worked in the substance abuse field. It's the only profession I've ever had. So I've done everything from being a technician at a facility, a behavioral health technician, up to being a sober companion. I was business development, admissions, alumni, director of marketing. So I've held several different positions in the substance abuse field. So it's really all I know. Surprisingly, I don't come from a tech background. I come from the treatment background, but it's kind of the perfect fit in doing this and in, in dealing with this demographic of people because it's an understanding of the type of person I firmly believe it's hard to it's hard for a non-alcoholic to help an alcoholic there has to be a sense of relatability there an understanding and saying I've been there right and that's where all of my passion lies is making sure and I learned this at 19 years old was that I want to give back all I want to do I want to make sure that I'm helping the next person with no motive, right? It was just out of pure, this is, my life has changed, and I want to give that back to other people. So that's my whole background.
1: Now, the company is owned by you and this other, you said they have a partner, correct?
3: Yes, so there's three partners, and it's, it's funny because I have to call them by their last name because it's two Chris's. It's Jake and the Chris's. One is Chris Aberme, and he handles most of our marketing from the download perspective. And then there's Chris Thompson, who is the original founder and the developer on the project. And he is, that's Chris Thompson. So it's Jake and the Chrises. Sounds like a rock
1: band. Or <laughs> Sounds like a walk-in yeah. or a for Jesus Christ, but okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Jake and C-Swearer. part, right? Exactly. Yeah. JC Square, a little different than EMC a- a- Square, but um, yeah. Well, how did you three of you get together?
3: So I know Chris just through the treatment field. Chris and I connected a few years back, and we just stayed in touch and continued to stay in touch. And I knew what he was working on, and he knew what I did for a living. So when we reconnected, he called and just asked for some advice. And I I sat down with him several times and that eventually formed into me becoming a partner of the company and a co-founder. And um, the other Chris, I feel like I have to say their last names, just refer to them as their last name. But the other Chris met Chris Thompson at a Forbes 30 under 30 conference and they connected. And it was similar to the way I came on board. They just continued to talk and, just talk shop and figure out what are the best ways to go about this and help people, and that eventually formed into a partnership there as well. And then we all connected and have been full steam ahead ever since. Anyway, we have Tracy coming in live.
1: You're on, Tracy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Again, happy to be here. So, Jake, going from a growth of 10,000 downloads of your app to 80,000. I mean, that's an astronomical trajectory of growth for you. Do you attribute a lot of that to the pandemic and people's inability to attend meetings in person during, as they're trying to recover?
3: I do think it plays a part. I think a big thing that surrounds addiction, as we all know, is stigma. And Having the ability to be anonymous on a platform and discuss an issue that can be somewhat taboo—I mean, it's kind of relieving to people. And I think if we if we break it down to core statistics, and you look at very passive statistics that say 21 million Americans suffer from this, and the data shows us that only one in seven will ever receive help for their problem. So that asks us what is happening with the six out of seven who never receive help and why aren't they receiving help? And when we look at that, we see psychology talking about how stigma is the primary reason behind it. So offering this during a time like this over these last two years, I do see it playing a part in some of that growth. So I know you
2: mentioned earlier that you're connected with the treatment center. And my question here is. I understand that there benefit from being connected to the people who download the app, but how are people finding out about the app in the first place? And how are you being able to credit that amount of growth? To Is it the organic marketing efforts? Are you doing digital marketing? Are you investing in um, strategic partnerships? How are people finding out about sober side tech?
3: So we're personally doing some targeted marketing. We get a lot of organic growth as well simply through people going on the app store who are curious about getting sober. This may be the first time that they've ever thought, maybe I need to take a look at my drinking, or maybe this this is getting out of hand, or I had surgery and I've continued to be taking these painkillers that I got, and it's becoming a problem in my life. And maybe they just want to track their sobriety, or they want to talk to somebody, So they'll look up addiction app or sober counter or different things like that, and they'll come across our app. And we do have targeted marketing to make sure that we're getting in front of the right people. So I think it's a healthy blend of everything that you've mentioned that has led to this growth. I mean, you know, our goal with that growth is to make sure we're still providing the same attention to detail that we provided day one.
2: And what is the average age demographic that's using the app? Do you find because of the technology piece that it's used younger, or are you seeing all ranges of male, female, and, and all different age demographics?
3: I see it. it I, it's really a melting pot, which only, appro- it, it only kind of validates what I was just talking about, where, you know, there's, there's a large demographic of people that, have never been introduced to a form of help for themselves. So curious demographic of people seems to just be downloading the app, and it's really a melting pot. I mean, I can't put my thumb on any specific key demographic that's downloading it. It's really a mix of everybody, which we love, because then you get different backgrounds communicating with each other and educating each other on different aspects of life.
2: And... When people, and because they remain anonymous on the app itself, but when people sign up for the app, are they providing you this kind of qualitative data about themselves?
3: We don't ask gender, we don't ask age, but we do see certain things about it simply because we do like to promote that anonymous feature where you don't have to identify as who you are. So we don't, we don't ask a ton of questions when people are downloading the app because we want them to get in and start interacting, start helping each other and supporting each other.
2: And so is your only monetization stream right now, the connection between you and the treatment centers or clinical clinicians and recovery centers? And if so, what are the areas where you think you might be able to expand revenue streams?
3: So currently, yes, that's, that's the only revenue stream. We are looking at several others. And I think personally, just from my own background, I mean, from my own story, I can tell you that when I got sober, one of the primary things that I was told by most people was, man, I wish I got it when I was your age. And what that leads me down the road of is, well, I was in college when I got it. And I think there's a huge demographic in college when it comes to this, where some people are starting this journey that doesn't have a very pleasant ending. And if we can start communicating with college students and start talking and being on college campuses, I think there's a huge opportunity to, one, be stigmatized, and two, provide some real help on those campuses and offer peer-to-peer support there.
2: Well, you bring up a good point, because I understand that one of the most important things about recovery is other people being able to relate to other addicts and alcoholic success stories, and they... There's um, part of the 12-step program where they actually have, in essence, meetings where speakers share their stories of what, what it was like and what it's like now and, you know, and what happened. Do you have a format through for your app that people can actually share their stories outside of just a conversational exchange?
3: So those are, those are certain things in the works for us right now where we're working on different features that can enable that, where there can be groups that are put together and different opportunities for people to share their stories on the app.
2: Do you have plans like, for example, to expand tasks of people that are struggling with the addictions one on one, maybe to replicate like a, an Al Anon model where friends and relatives and people who are impacted by the added behaviors and patterns
3: have a, maybe an app that could help them as well? Oh, absolutely. I, there's I mean, with what we've been able to prove out through what we're doing, we see dozens of verticals that we could expand into that directly pertain to this. So from the Al-Anon piece, I know that personally, without the support of my family through my process, I mean, thank God they found Al-Anon because the support of the family is such a good foundation to build a life of sobriety off of. So we see a lot of that. Right now, we're very hyper-focused on what's right in front of us. We do have Several things that we are working on in that regard, from a vertical standpoint. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, we do. We do. We have discussed all of those things, and we are working on on certain aspects when it comes to that and family support because there's a ton of value there.
2: And one of the things that has really, um, as a result of the pandemic, that is really. Come much more into focus um, by people working more remotely, so therefore more isolation, or even the whole concept around the whole great resignation of people quitting their jobs because of workplace environments and things like that. So I'm curious if one of those verticals that you're looking to, at to expand in is that going to um, have an opportunity for HR resources and people that are in charge of employee, you know, make sustainability and things like that. Are you going to have an opportunity to expand to work within the workforce culture?
3: Yeah, we've actually spoken to a few employee assistance programs about just that. And the thing about it is that there's a lot of people, because in my time doing admissions and treatment programs, I did find that a lot of people didn't understand that there was a lot of resources available to them to be able to take work off and go get help for themselves. There are certain things that, employees aren't educated on that they do have through their EAPs and their unions and different things. So we do want to expand into that area, and we have had some meetings about that in helping the workforce because it does get toxic. It can get very toxic. It can get toxic in the treatment environment. I've seen it. So we do want to be able to provide space for that.
2: And do you see that as basically creating a whole separate app, or would you do that in terms of, like, having integrations between HR resources and conversations with the people on the app? I'm just curious how you think you could expand not only just the workforce, but you're also talking about expanding into family resources and things like that. Is that going to be, like, separate technology? Uh,
3: I think it would begin with integrations into the app. Because if there's one thing that I do know about sobriety and getting sober is it's a lot of it is about fellowship and maybe you don't want to talk to your coworker in sales about getting sober. And you'd rather talk to somebody in a different state that has a similar job to you. And so I think that having integrations into the platform as it stands would be more beneficial early on as we understand more what these demographics are gonna call for. One thing we've done this whole time is let the users on the platform determine what we do next. So watching what the data is telling us and then making our next move from there, which is what led to the partnerships with treatment programs, where we saw that a large number of our users that were downloading the app needed help, needed therapeutic help, needed residential treatment, needed some sort of therapy to help with their problems because they were so early on. So I think it would begin with those integrations and expand from there.
2: Is there a way for you, based on your user experience, is there a way for you to track people who come onto the app and maybe stay sober for a certain period of time and then relapse? And then my purpose of the question is to really say, like if you were able to have some sort of, success story rate and percentage rate, I know that's one of the biggest challenges with recovery and anonymity is it's really hard to get data on people who relapse and who don't stay sober or who stay sober and relapse and then come back. So is that something that you're able to predict behaviors or able to provide success stories around?
3: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a great question because it is so important. Having run alumni programs in the past, That's something that's important to me and and our company. And we have a user resource center that does engage with the users that do go to seek help to try to make sure, one, are you engaging in the program, following up, making sure that, hey, is everything okay? Do you enjoy the program? If not, like, you know, we're here to help you however possible. And are you staying sober? How is life after going through a program? Or how is life after starting therapy? So we are beginning to track that. It's still early on to where we don't have enough yet, I think. We're getting there. We're getting closer and closer every day to where we can have some more substantial outcomes data. But as of now, we're, we're continuing that contact with the users who do engage.
2: And are you able to connect people from an accountability perspective, like when they, in the terms of recovery programs where they use? a sponsor versus a sponsee and have someone who has a lot more tenure in sobriety, like you were sharing, you had 10 years of sobriety. Do you have a program I mean, is within this accountability partnership sponsor-sponsee? Is that something that your app offers to help people as well?
3: So there have been instances where people have found a sponsor on our app and worked with that sponsor outside of the app, but that's not currently something that we have integrated into the app where there is sponsorship within the app quite yet. Those are those features that I was talking about that we are developing right now, but they are not currently existing in the app as we speak.
2: In kind of stepping back for a moment in terms of one of the things that we always like to ask is what has been some of your biggest learning curves as an entrepreneur? You, you know, you shared with us that your primary background is the recovery field, so you're obviously an expert in the recovery business. But What has been some of your biggest learning curves as far as participating in the startup and helping grow this organization?
3: Technology. (laughs) That has been the steepest learning curve for me. I know that my partner, Chris, has given me books to read. I've downloaded courses on Udemy. I have tried to accelerate my learning when it comes to technology as much as possible. From an entrepreneurial standpoint, I think the biggest thing I've learned is patience. It's learning when the time to press the gas pedal is correct. Because I think when you believe in what you do, like we do, and you feel that you have something good in front of you, you want to press the gas pedal to the floor every day. And while us as individuals are pressing our own personal gas pedal to the floor every day as entrepreneurs, sometimes it's not best to do that with the business and understand that there is a patience that's involved in it. And that's been steep learning curve, because me, I'm ADD, I am, you know, I want to go 100 miles per hour 100% of the time. So me reeling that back and saying, okay, let's be patient about this, it's been a significant learning curve for me.
1: So, Jake, some people have said, all right, I don't have an iPhone, I don't have an Android, yes, I'm in the, that 1% category in the world, but I want to participate in this, in this app. So what can I do?
3: So. If you go to the website on silversidekick.com, there's an, an email prompt down in the corner, and you can send an email to our support team, and we can make sure that we do what we can to connect you with people in your local area, however we can, or see if we can develop something for you for that, because maybe there's a small demographic that needs it that has a certain phone that can't get that, the app. Yeah, if you
2: want to get out the email there, that'd be helpful.
3: Yeah, so the email is support at SoberSidekick.com, and that will go to all of us, and one of us will get back to them.
2: I just also (laughs) want to say, I mean, (laughs) going on the, I just want to say from personal experience of checking out the website that I love the way that you make it so easy for the users that the downloading the app is prompted right away, so there's no, no, you don't have to look around for it. So it's a really good user experience that you develop for that. So in terms of growth, what's next, and um, where do you see your team expanding?
3: Well, what's next is we want to continue to scale. We want to make more hires, so that feeds into the second part of your question. What we want to do is be able to hire more user resource and more developers and more user experience uh, individuals to be able to really ramp this up and do a lot of those integrations that we talked about on this call so that we can kick this thing the high gear and really start helping people at a much greater capacity and get more and more people connected across the globe, not just in the United States, but across the globe.
2: And what is the best way for people to find you if they want to get in touch with you?
3: So I'm on LinkedIn. Just type in Jake Furster. That's F as in Frank, O-E-R, S as in Sam, T-E-R. And you can also email me at jake at SoberSidekick.com, and that would probably be the best way to connect with me is through my email. And, And other
1: than growing this, you know, by getting the numbers up, what other expansion plans do you have? So, yes, you say you want to go global. Yes, you probably have to go into other foreign languages, but are you going to limit yourself, you think, to just these two? alcoholism and, and drug use, or are you going to go into other areas? What, what, what's your thought, then?
3: Well, what we see from a cellular level is just what I talked about earlier, where if there's 21 million Americans that are suffering and only one in seven are ever getting access to some sort of support or help, that's a large demographic that equates to about 18 million people that don't have access to help. So we see a large opportunity there to capture a, a demographic that needs it. And so that's our our primary focus. I think moving forward, as Tracy mentioned, we do see a, a major opportunity in getting support systems set up for families, as well as integrating into colleges and introducing a younger demographic into getting the support that they need at a younger age, and almost gamifying sobriety, making sobriety more fun, taking away this taboo nature that exists within it, and educating from a more active and fun standpoint.
1: Do you have anything focused on group group ages? Like, for instance, I mean, teenagers are the first group that starts drinking, may start drug use. I'm not saying first group to start, but, you know, they're the younger age. Is there a way that you can go maybe through educational programs, through schools, whatever? Because I think if you stop it at an earlier age, you're more likely to stop it later on.
3: Oh, a hundred percent, and you get people talking about it at a younger age. So it, the, that's what contributes to destigmatize. Truly destigmatizing is is making people aware at a younger age and making it less taboo. So I see a lot of benefit with that. We are generally a eighteen and above people. You know, adults normally download our app. I think that we would like to grow that direction because I've. Being sober as long as I have been, I, I've I've talked to a lot of people who started drinking at the age of twelve. So I think that there's there's a, a major opportunity in speaking to the younger, even we younger to, than college generation.
1: Sorry to do that. We have to wrap it up. Thank you very much for the great guests. KHS twelve twenty ninety eight point one FM. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Tracy.
2: Thank you. Thank you.